Welcome, everybody, to The Map, the mental health and addiction podcast. We are here today with the incomparable Andy Bernstein. Thank you, thank you. The incredible Kristen Perry Long. Oh, thank you. I'm Kimberly Walsh of Brady's Landing Sober Home for Women, and we are here today with a very special guest, Melissa Westerman, who we will speak with after our break. How about that? Wow. Yeah, speak into the mic there. Whoa. 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 All right, here. Thank you, Kimberly. Let's move this up here. Thank you, everybody. All right. So... I'd like to go ahead and turn it on over to Andy. Thank you. Thanks, Kimberly. Um, yeah, we'll meet our, as you said, we'll meet our guests in a few, but we got to circle back on a bill that we just discussed last week. And it was the Mass Senate unanimously, unanimously, unanimously passed lessons. the mm-hmm. act to address barriers to care for mental health. And the idea behind it is to increase access to mental health services by removing barriers to timely quality care and provide the state with more effective tools to enforce existing mental health parity law. So I'm going to you to say, what is mental health parity, friend? You being Chris. Um, so Kimberly just explains it so much better than I do. <laughs> the parity law, because I can't even see say parity. I was calling it party law. <laughs> she was. She says they have a new party law. Oh, really? <laughs> It's just basically, it's, it's equal. It's equal. So like if you go to one doctor and you go to another doctor, they have to treat you equally. Is that so if right? you're going in for insurance companies are requiring healthcare facilities and doctors and the whole um, healthcare industry to treat physical injuries the same manner in which they would treat mental health issues. Right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So this bill will expand the health access to underserved cultural and linguistic populations and the LGBTQ community and will also also create a help pipeline of mental health professionals. And currently about 90% of mental health clinicians in mass are non-Latino whites. That is very interesting. So they're trying to to grow that. So, um, and then the other part of this is Lori Pellegrini, who's president of the Mass Association of Health Plans, said that the group believes the entire healthcare system should be responsible for reaching the goal of mental health parity in Massachusetts. She said the bill will help move the state in that direction. I, yours truly, attended the event, and it was oh, awesome. Yeah, how was that? It was great. It was great. And as a matter of fact. Um, so I had my new camera and I fumbled and bumbled. It was terrible. <laughs> right. I'm like being such a spaz. I got like, I got cords everywhere. I'm out of focus. I'm like, I hope they don't look at what, you know, my focus of the, of the, of the camera. Cause it was all out of focus. It was new. Right. Did you not Practice? think about practicing before? I had just gotten the camera before. I wanted it's to like look the part. It's like buying a pair of shoes without trying I them on. I wanted to look the part. It was like you're going <laughs> to a wedding. Okay. You're like Hello, going to an event. He's going to videotape using his new toy. Right. That's if you it. go to an event, what, right. You're like, I got to go. Company? I got to go shopping <laughs> before I go to the event. Okay. So, but I will say there were tons <laughs> of people from all walks of life there to um talk about this you know being a part of it it was a whole consortium you had nonprofits there 
What's that? It was, it was a, melting a melting pot. pot. Yeah, and the yeah. media was there, and uh, it was great. And then towards the end of it, they go, okay, we're voting now. So they all split. All the senators, state senators split to what? go vote right in the middle of the press conference. Wow. Wow. Right, and then we're they being came called. back and it was like, bam. Yeah, and it was. Signed, it was, sealed, and delivered. Then it was there. So my question to you guys is, okay, so now that this bill is passed, what other things can be done or what, would, what other things would you like to see that can help us to complement or piggyback on this law? How about enforcement? Right. Well, yeah, enforcement always. I mean, that's that's a what big thing, and it, it's kind of like when we get the MASH certification. You know, everybody gets all these certified homes, and that's great and wonderful, and you get these MASH letters next to your name. But who's going and checking up, and who's making sure? You know, and so back when we talked about insurances and stuff, and we said you have to advocate for yourself. People are going to have to advocate for themselves to make sure that they are getting equality. Mm-hmm. And I think what is really important is that, you know, um, seven to 14 days is not enough time to stabilize somebody on meds when you have not even a real diagnosis. You know, Charles last week said, you know, he's still two years messing with meds, trying to figure out what works. And I mean, you know, know, messing with meds and it's like, it's not, you can't take a med and then I'll see you in a week. It can't be like that because like what happens, you know? There's it's a shelf life too. It takes, a, it takes time to get into your exactly. system. Exactly. So, so it's interesting. The next day I went to see my friend who is a doctor at St. Elizabeth's Hospital. He does medication-assisted treatment. Mm-hmm. He also does, um, he works for Stewart, you know, Stewart Healthcare. So I went to him and uh, one of the top doctors in Boston and a super guy and we were talking about this bill and he said, you know, in his opinion, I think the PCPs need to do a better job of discussing mental health with their patients. Mm-hmm. Primary care physicians. Yeah. Right. Well, not PCP, but the primary right, care physician. Right. But I think the other thing is, is like, so, you know, we have psychologists and then we have psychiatrists and the psychiatrists prescribe. Right. And the psychologists talk. So you should really have both. In theory. You have to have both. You have to. Right. Like you shouldn't have one without the other. Because they're not capable. Because their agenda is different, right? They're going to prescribe their meds. roles. Their roles are different. Their roles their, are different. Their roles are different. Yeah. So psych is, you know, we're going to talk about your problems, right. and psychiatry is we're going to prescribe meds to address these problems. And I mean, I think that they actually should kind of be one in the same because now you got to talk to this doctor, and then you go back to this doctor, and it's like nobody's talking. So example, so. I went to the emergency room Monday morning at 6.30 a.m. We don't need to talk about why. Why? But the HIPAA, bottom line HIPAA. is, right, the bottom line is, so I went in at 6.30 in the morning, and um, I went in within my network, my where my primary is, and before I got home, the message had been sent to my primary with all the ER doctor's notes about what was going on, and I had a follow-up appointment set within a couple of days based on my symptoms and, that's and how I be, was treated. Right? So, right. Right. So, you know. However, let's take a just different right. example. So, so a mental health issue. You go in to see a psychologist for a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. I have some issues. Maybe it's situational. Maybe it's depression. Depression, depression is, very, right. It's, yeah. So then, so you go and you continue seeing your psychologist. Now, at what point does do you decide? Does she decide? Who decides where you actually need treat uh, medication? When do you need? 
are you having a chemical imbalance or this, you know, who decides that? We don't know. We don't, wouldn't even get that far because no psychologist notes are going to go to any psychiatrist without an ROI request, um, release of information. Not return on investment. Not return on investment. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> right. Different show. There's this right. a huge right. disconnect. Right. In, right. There's a huge disconnect in the whole medical field. If you get lucky, um, you know, you do get the psychiatrist that talks to the psychologist. So in working in this field, we are, we try to be able to get in touch with your psychiatrist to say, Hey, you know what? You're giving them this med. I can't tell you it's a bad med or not med, but based on their behaviors and based on what they're telling us, you know, on our one-on-ones, I don't think, I think you need to revisit this. Like we need to be able to talk to one another and right. there's so many barriers right. That, you know, yeah. and P.S. Where's the PCP in this? Right. Do they even get notes? They don't get notes from their. Exactly. Well, that, that's what he was saying, that there probably needs to be more of a connection. Right. Absolutely. To it. We're, we're really. And like I said, it's like really having a team. Yeah. Right. You have a team. You have your primary care. You have your um, psychiatrist. You have your psychologist. You have, you know, people all working together and kind of in a 365 way, more of a holistic Exactly. A, a, approach. Right. What happened for Kristen physically in her physical injury? Right. It happened. It all came together. They well, got that working. Well, they just need to do that on the mental health side. Right. Exactly. And the doc said that a lot of the patients <laughs> that they see in like orthopedics right. have other issues like mental health related things that stemmed from say an injury. No. no yeah. Like, uh, like you might have severe back pain, uh, but oh, there yeah. might be more to it. Then just so <clears throat> speaking of back pain, don't point at me. Ha- <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Okay, here you go. Ready? I'm Jim? kidding. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm you kidding. Um, I watched the psych- uh, the pharmacist. Yeah. That movie. Yeah. Have you watched it yet? No. Have you watched I, it yet? I, it's on my list. Okay. So I watched the first one. The first, it's like a couple segments, and I was like, the first segment was kind of like dry and like, where's this going? You get past that first segment. It's about a, a pharmacist who lives in Illinois in this, you know, and he's bum doo doo where there's nothing. (laughs) And, you know, it's a mom and pop pharmacy, right? It's like that old fashioned, whatever you go. And it's like, hi, Joe, how's, you know, the what? It's like that kind of pharmacist. Anyway, he had no idea his son was dabbling in drugs. His son went out to go buy. He was, I believe he was smoking crack. He went out to go and buy drugs and he was murdered. Oh, and he went on this vengeance to find out who murdered his son. And in doing that, his eyes were open to the fact that, A, his son was an addict. Yep. And then, as a pharmacist still working, he saw all these kids coming in in their 20s and early 30s wanting, like, needing pills. and. Oxycontin, and then he took it a step further, and it was the same doctor. And then he took it a step further and discovered that she was seeing upwards of 76 people a day, cash only, and starting at 11 o'clock at night. Wow. And it just, it was like, it was mind-blowing. So if you want to kind of see the fruition of how this all came about, how like this whole pandemic came about, it is a great uh, short 
documentary. It's eye-opening. It's Oh, it's um, a true story. It's a true story. Oh. This guy was, um, this doctor was fundamental in, in the beginning of bringing Big Pharma down. And when we brought Big Pharma down, nobody talks about it, but then the cartel came in. And it's like, it's oh, this all is all this, dream, like dreamland stuff. Like, uh, yeah, kind of, sort of. But this is like, this is like hardcore. He was recording. He was doing, he, right. he got it all. Wow. It was really, really good. And this is good. on Netflix. Ne- yeah. Yeah. Netflix. On Netflix. All right. So Sorry. we're going to, no, that's all right. We're going to take a break and then we're going to come back to someone who knows a lot more. Not more than you guys, but she... <laughs> that was a dig out. You owe me lunch on that one. Oh, you know what? I don't even start with me. All right. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. You are listening to The Map. Brady's Landing is a exclusive sober home for women located on the Cape. We're in Sandwich, right off the Sagamore Bridge, first exit. I built Brady's Landing to give an older female demographic a place to heal and get better and make the transition from treatment into the real world. It's a very peaceful environment. It's very serene. It's very private. You kind of follow a long driveway down. It opens up into two and a half acres of land. We overlook the water, so there's lots of opportunities to commune with nature at Brady's Landing. Dot org. Or you can also send an email to info at bradyslanding.org. Um, and you can call the number 774-338-4060. Welcome back to The Map. I'm Kimberly Walsh. I'm here with Kristen Perry Long, Andy Bernstein, and we would like to welcome our special guest, our friend, Melissa Westerman, who is the Director of Marketing at Ellenhorn. She has been in behavioral health since 1996, helping clients and providers navigate the behavioral health landscape. She is a true advocate to helping eradicate the stigma and shame and discrimination that surrounds mental illness. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much, Thank Melissa. You guys. Yay. So, all right. So how did you get started in the world of behavioral health, my friend? Mm, quite by accident. Okay. My, uh, I was going to be a state trooper. New no, you weren't. State trooper. What? I was. My dad was a New Hampshire state trooper, so I went to school for criminal justice. And he was actually undercover. One of his undercover jobs was busting physicians in 1970s over prescribing opiates. Wow. This is not a new problem. My dad was undercover trying to bust over prescribing doctor shopping. Interesting. And anyway, I uh, didn't know anything about the drug and alcohol field at that point. I just wanted to be a... New Hampshire State Trooper, and I ran out of money, and I was on my mom's couch, and I thought, i got to get a job. And so the local community mental health center was hiring, so I went and worked in group homes for people with schizophrenia. Oh, well. And I loved it, and I fell in love, and that was, that was it. And then you've been in it since 1996, which mm-hmm. is a long time. So how, what are some of the trends that you're seeing now in the world of mental health, having been in it since 1996. And I know that was something that you wanted to yeah. talk about as well. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. The trends are really, you know. Financial or <clears throat> treatment-wise or anything? Everything, everything. Uh, okay. Pick your favorite. From- <laughs> Pick my favorite. I think, well, I think the good trend is that stigma is reducing. Yeah. Absolutely, people are feeling more comfortable talking about mental health issues. They're talking about substance use issues. So I think that's the best part of what's happened in the past couple of decades. Okay. Is that it's the stigma has reduced. There's still a lot a long way to go, 
but it's getting better. So I think that's the best trend. You know, the financial, political, insurance, like that's a whole other bucket. Those are many, you know, other buckets. I mean, when I worked in community mental health, there was a good budget in New Hampshire for community mental health. I worked for the Mental Health Center of Greater Manchester, and it's huge, and it had like extensive services. I worked on a vocational outreach team for people with mental illness. So I was on the road helping people with mental illness get jobs. And, and it was paid for because it was low-income indigent folks. Those are the first programs that get slashed, you know, and, you know, a lot of those programs have since been slashed and still a great mental health center. But I think that trend is sad. Yeah. The, you know, that's the whole financial end that has been devastating. I work with um, the mental health court Mm -hmm. like they help and it's in new hampshire and they help people find treatment yeah i don't think we do we have anything like that in massachusetts i've never heard of it uh we've got drug courts yeah drug court but this is like mental health this is nashua mental health drug court our our mental health court yeah yeah new hampshire does a nice job i mean i that's all i can speak to is that's where i've worked most of my life. I mean, I work for an organization that's out of Arlington now, but I born and raised and educated in New Hampshire and they've always had done a really nice job with, with resources like that. Yeah. I have to say like the people that I've been dealing with from the police to community outreach, they're nicer than Massachusetts people. You think so? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I mean, no, she begs no, no. You're nice. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> meh. <laughs> so, meh. But, you know, to to Chris's point, I mean, knowing that in New Hampshire there is a very big problem, mm-hmm. right? More, you know, fentanyl mm-hmm. is a big problem. There's problems That's everywhere. Nationwide. Right. Yeah. But, right. yes, absolutely. It's more rural. Right. I grew up in cow country. I grew up with cows. You know, I mean, that's that's why. You know, I didn't. I never had a big chance to get angry. Farmers, for a while. farmers don't have drug problems. That's right? right. That's right. That's right. But it's very but rural, the cows so, do. Right. Exactly. The, <laughs> the cows. That's you know. You we'll know. talk about that. That's after. a whole other yeah, show. Exactly. A whole other show. <laughs> whole other show. But yeah, I mean, the more rural the environment. I mean, it's there's different problems in different you know socioeconomic locations for different reasons. Right. Like the, the pharmacist show that we were talking about, there, there was in rural yeah, um, yeah. Louisiana, somewhat rural. It was right outside of New Orleans, but fairly rural. It got yeah. fairly rural. There wasn't a lot to do. Well, so, and they said that people would travel upwards of 200 yeah, miles to, like come to, this, and, yeah. Yeah, to come to this, yeah, to this doctor. Because mm-hmm. like he was the, prescribing pain pills. Sure. She, she, yeah. she was prescribing mm-hmm. pain yeah, pills. Yeah, Jessica Cleggett. Uh, Cleggett, yeah. 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 Oh, I got to watch this. And she yeah, trained as a pediatrician. Yeah. What, was, right. what was running a pain clinic. Right. And then they said that the pain clinics were so unregulated that the FDA or DEA, DEA were seeing them pop up everywhere. And that's why, like, down in Florida, for example, they had so many, every street corner had a pill mill. Right. And they had that reputation of pill mill. So if you go back and you... Like watch the trends of of overdoses and stuff. You'll see like if you do the the comparisons, you'll see like okay, so they had nine hundred pill mills in Tamarack, and they had two thousand overdoses in a year. And it, the trend was right. was Directly so in, proportionate. Like to they them. they mm-hmm. saw in this town, they saw all these overdoses happening, and what was happening with this movie is people would come and they would sit for hours and hours and hours and wait. Right. And as people were coming out after they got their prescriptions, 
they were selling their pills to the people that were waiting in line to go and see the doctor. Like it's insane. The the stuff that we're, was that I learned from that, it makes a lot of sense now. But like you know, people say, "What well, you don't know, you don't know," and it's like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yep. Melissa, what? would you think um, real quick on that note? So rural versus say city, mm-hmm. um, with the introduction of fentanyl, mm-hmm. right across the board. Would you say that? then the trends in the rural areas stayed mostly in the in pill form just because the the fentanyl and the other drugs were just more ubiquitous in the in the cities yeah i i well, i'm not an expert i will own that i don't you know anecdotally i don't know about the research. i mean anecdotally yeah it's access mm-hmm. Right. And it's in finances, right? Sure. So it's both. It's the yeah. intersection of access and finance. You know, more, yeah. you know, the predominantly people turn to heroin after, after mm-hmm. a, you know, an injury or, you know, and it's also more affordable. You know, it's Correct. not a dollar a milligram for a pill, you know, right. like it's, so, I mean, I think it's, you know, but again, I'm no, uh, not an expert. I don't have any data behind, you know, that, right. but I'd right. say anecdotally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So now... You have a, you're the director of marketing for Allen Horn, and it's an interesting organization, different mm-hmm. than what you've worked in before. Mm-hmm. You really like it. I love it. Okay. So tell us about Allen Horn mm-hmm. and what makes you guys un- unique. Well, I think it reminded, when I started working there, it reminded me immediately of my community mental health days and a lot of different ways, certainly internally, culturally the the staff and but also programmatically it was you know Ellen Horn's main philosophy is community-based care so you know for psychiatric and for co-occurring substance use I mean we all of our folks have report a mental health issue uh, anywhere from primary or secondary primary um, so your primary mental health program yes okay yep and that's important to know. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's really the foot that we lead with, um, and only in sort of a, I guess, a language sense. Mm-hmm. Like clinically, you know, you sort of touched on it earlier. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Right. You know, the meds right. or the right. self, you know, the self medication or the symptoms as an, uh, you know, effective drug and alcohol. You know, we. When you're in like true dual diagnosis care, it doesn't matter. It's continuous <laughs> assessment. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like it, it's a continuous assessment and treating somebody for long term. So that what makes Ellen Horn special is that they treat people long term in their homes. So we have a team of people, psychiatrists, nurse, wellness, licensed clinicians, licensed alcohol and drug, that go into people's homes and take them out in the community and help connect them with their resources in the community. That's why I love it. It reminds me of like how I was trained. So you're not a residential? We do have a small nine-bed res, absolutely, but that is, it's almost secondary to our community-based care. It's really, if people really need some 24-hour care temporarily, we believe least restrictive level of care possible mm. at all times. Mm. People should only be hospitalized and, and you know, sent to a higher level of care if absolutely necessary, only because it's traumatizing. Right. Yeah. Most of our yeah. clients, anything, a hospitalization, an arrest, a even just if a family intervenes and you go to residential, even if, you know, and God forbid plenty, a section, there's, <laughs> I mean, really, right. I, there's place for that. Please don't get me wrong. Right. People need to be safe. Sure. However, there's, it's overused. There's a, a primary mental health facility. I can't remember the name of it, but it's, it's inpatient, but you can leave. Oh, mm-hmm. that's, you, um, that's at Nockeg. No, 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 it's in like Devon's or something. Um, I want to say it's Ostagai, but it's not. Devereaux? No. 
Um, I'll have to Google it. Oh, South Coast Behavioral Health. <clears throat> nope. Nope. It's, nope. <laughs> it's, I know it's a list because you keep Let's just throw more out. <laughs> yeah. Is there any more? Is there a prize at the end? Right. <laughs> ding, ding, no. ding, ding, ding. So that's really, so you're kind of similar to like aware where, are you familiar with aware? I am. So you're different model though. Right. Yeah. But you, that's kind of what you do though. You go in the home. I, for some yeah. reason, I thought you guys were residential. That's well, so we cool. Do have, we do have they a are. small res, but yeah. it's, we, um, our model of care is assertive community treatment, which is a model that's been around since the seventies. Yeah. When there was a deinstitutionalization of psychiatric hospitals, like they closed them all down and everybody went into the community. Then the community was like, right. What do we do now? Right. Right. How do we care for people in their homes? Right. They developed the, the federal government developed act teams and they've right. exclusively been through community mental health centers and it's an evidence-based practice. SAMHSA endorses it. And so that's what we are, which we're just private. So when we talk about community, that's yeah. your founder, yeah, Ro- Ross, Ross the great Ross Ellenhorn, Dr. Ross Ellenhorn, um, has a different approach and a yeah. vision about, um, recovery. Right. And addiction. Absolutely. Right. It's not. And it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting because he's a social worker, but he got his PhD in sociology. So he's Hmm. very much understands on a very different level and a very refreshing level people. Right. And human connection and the value of human connection. And, and it's not news to you guys. It's not news to most people that, you know, the addiction or mental, like dual diet, whatever. Right. Let's get away from diagnosis. We need human connection. Exactly. It's the opposite of addiction. That's how you get well. Yeah. It's people. And that's that's where we start. Okay. And it's not about focusing on diagnoses. Yes, diagnoses informs insurance. It informs, you know, psychopharmacology. But other than that, we kind of don't care. Right. What are your barriers to getting well? How have you been traumatized by the system? And... And how Me can we being help? the system, I'm not yeah. downing the system. We, you know, people, good-hearted, smart, sure. wonderful people trying to help people, but right. it's traumatizing. And overall, and generally speaking, overall, it's not necessarily at the rates we want it to be right. for success in, in helping. Right. 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 So, you know, Ross really does a nice job of infusing that into, you know, certainly the evidence-based practices, the modalities we use, blah, blah, blah. But, it, you know, it's truly about treating people like humans. And you like it because you've worked for other places where mm-hmm. they may have been a little more, you know, butts and seats kind of thing, yeah. you, you know, yeah. heads and beds, Absolutely. you know, this and is more of a, um, I think it's easy to lean on numbers and it's easy to lean on, um, diagnostic labels. It's easy to lean on, um, this is what we know insurance says works and this is what they'll reimburse. And we're just going to mm-hmm. do this and you got to show up to this group because this is. is what gets paid for. Yep. And if you don't show up, we're kicking mm-hmm. you out. Mm-hmm. And, and guess what? You're going to relapse and come back, and then we're going to charge your exactly. insurance company again. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so we treat folks yeah. who sometimes are in different stages of change. You guys know about, you know, Prochaska stages of change and people who are still... No, I don't know that. Okay. Uh, Prochaska created, wrote a book on stages of change. Okay. For anything. It could be cigarettes, eating. We all have, we all go through stages of change. And you can vacillate back and forth between different stages. And when people are still using, we'll still treat them or if they relapse, or if they're refusing medication. That just means that... Different phase. They're in a different phase of change. And mm-hmm. you can vacillate, like I said, and, and that doesn't mean you get kicked out of our treatment. That means we use that as a therapeutic opportunity to figure out, you know, why that's valuable to you. Right. It's a very different modality, and it's very unique. Yeah. Correct. It, and it's not being used... This is pretty unique to Ellen Horn, if I'm not mistaken. It's pretty unique, yeah. There's, I mean, oh, certainly there's plenty of programs who certainly believe in harm reduction and certainly believe... Don't kick people out for relapsing. I mean, I hats off to everybody sure. who has some flexibility in terms of that. Sure. Well, I think that the, like you're talking about like not kicking people out for relapsing. And I think that 
you know, it's so easy just to say next. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like some of these places, they have a line out the door. Well, why do they have a line out the door? You know, are they good at what they do or not? There's a there's a fine line. Like mm-hmm. if somebody relapses and they're humble and they're like, oh, my God, I, right. I relapse. Let's let's support them and move on mm-hmm. instead of just kicking right. them out exactly. and like making them feel even more crummy right. about, you know, a what bad we do decision. Know is punitive doesn't work. We right. know that. That's correct. Right. Well, you're privately, yeah. you're privately owned. Absolutely. And private pay. So I will say that disclaimer that, of course, it's a luxury to be able to treat people in this sure. sense because insurance isn't dictating what we can do. I will say right. that. And if, that's the difference. I know that. It is and the I difference. know that. I'm aware of that. That, yes, ins- you know, if insurance supported the stages of change, there would be more access. Right. Sure. But some people can drive a Cadillac and some people drive a Kia. It still gets you to... Mm-hmm. Same way. But do those but, people know what makes them different? Like, are you driving a Cadillac because it's a Cadillac, or are you driving a Cadillac because you know it's a better car? Right. And which sort of to what Chris says is like, you know, do you really know what you're getting for treatment and exactly. as a consumer? Right. right. I mean, how many how many times, Chris, have you talked to parents of you know the child that they really want to help and they've gone through? You know, we already went to this. We already went to this. Supposed right, to be, but they're not know, all created the equal. Correct, but they're learning that the hard way. They're right. learning that after eight times of being in treatment. But nobody going, can agree now? on what 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 it is. Right. Right. There's so no the federal f- over governing exactly. body that says this is how people are going to be credentialed in every state. Exactly. And everybody's going to right. know the same thing. Yeah. Right. And and, and the other thing is, so you know, you had like the Florida model, and everybody had to follow the Florida model. Well, at the end of the day, the credentialing and everything. What is their experience? Why aren't they talking to the people that are that are there dealing with, you know, so we have to, we're at balance, we have people and it's IOP. That's mm-hmm. all it is, IOP and OP. So it's intensive yeah. outpatient. It's after your, you know, your PHP or your residential. This is where I believe a lot of your real recovery starts because you're back into exactly. the real world yep. per se. So Absolutely. all those challenges and things, you know, they play a part in it. So we're constantly having to go back to insurance and saying they need more days. They need more days. Well, why do they need more days? You know, are they doing this? Are they Like, who are you to decide if, if we're hands-on here and we're listening to this person, why can you drop the hammer, you know, on, the, on this person yeah. and decide because this box didn't get checked out and this one did? It's just ridiculous. It's And what it does is it forces treatment centers – to nest, kind of bend a little bit and make it's not bad decisions it's in the best interest but you know what i mean yep. it's like it's just it sucks we're put on a fine line and that's why the bills are so important that's why what andy you know when yeah. he went to the that's that's why yeah that's where it starts right and understanding you know and so that's a great segue because ross dr ross ellenhorn uh is a um i met him great guy he has a different approach where he's an author, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so he's not somebody who, you know, he knows this stuff, Mm -hmm. not just, Oh, I'm going to be a private equity firm that I'm going to get into whatever. This is the difference between a big difference with Eleanor. Yeah. Yeah. His social, I think the combination of his social work background, his, you know, his sociology degree, but also just being a good person. Right. He's a genuinely compassionate, wonderful person that understands the impact of, families and of consumers right you know, and that's that's ultimately who's suffering it's not just the consumers but their family members who are often searching for solutions for their family member and don't know what questions to ask they right. don't know exactly. 
And they're just, it's, you know, a hundred grand later. Right. And they're looking for resources. They need resources. Right. And who's to say what's better than another? Nobody's objective. Exactly. Nobody is. This is important for us as we talk about mental health and addiction to have people on the show from this world so that people can understand the different types of things Mm -hmm. out there. So I don't want it to sound like an infomercial, but at the same time, you know, it's good for people to learn what makes Ellen Horn unique. And so, um, Ross has a book. Mm-hmm. Come, it's, it's coming out. It's pre-sale okay, now. It's tell called, us about the book. It's called How We Change. Okay. And 10 Reasons Why We Don't. So, again, just mm-hmm. another refreshing perspective on Stages change. of change. Right. right, right. Change and, and what that takes and what, and a million reasons why we don't. Me included, like all of us included. Right. Whatever that is. I don't want right. to change. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, I like Because you're perfect change the way you are. Scary, like Talk me. to me about that, Andy. Okay. <laughs> um, but, and, and I'm always happy to talk about Ellenhorn. The point being, though, is that I, everybody wants to be the expert. I'm not an expert either. You no. know, like I, I never will be. Is anybody really an expert in anything? No, because a lot of there's people so many changes. Are, though, of though. course, but it's for, constantly changing. And, but right. behavioral health people want to be the expert. And they want to be the savior and the hero. So people get on the phone with people who say, this is where you should, you should come here. Mm. We're going to do it. We're going to, this is the trick. Mm-hmm. You no, know, and over promising <laughs> and over guaranteeing. If anybody in the market cornered on this, there'd be no treatment centers, yeah. you know, like, Correct. I wouldn't have a job. Right. And, you know, so that's, I'm preaching to the choir, but I mean, that's, nobody's an expert. I mean, but am, I'm a fan of Ellen Hart. I'm a fan of their model. I'm a fan of just generally speaking. Well, you're a genuine person who wouldn't do something if you didn't believe in it. hundred percent. Right. hundred percent. Right. I don't th- and I think that, you know, what happens is that, you know, a lot of people that are in recovery get into this field and they change. And some change not for the better. 100%. And, you know, part of the reason that I've kind of moved around a lot is because I get to know my clients and I advocate for them. Mm -hmm. And if the place that I'm working at currently isn't the right fit, I'm going to find a place that's going to be the right fit for them. You get to know your values. Exactly. You're you're the anomaly, Chris. I mean, let's face it. She's an anomaly. It's true. Right. You I mean, mean people who actually advocate for their for their clients? I'm sorry, few and far between, especially if they're being paid by the organization exactly. that you know. Right. right, and you're on a, a bonus structure, right. and it's like yeah, I gotta no get yeah. There's a quota, yeah. Pe- <laughs> right, so it's a very uh, it's very con- right. there's so, a conflict there, right? Right, because it's the same as the Purdue Pharma rep in the yeah. pharmacist. It's yeah, the that, same model yeah. of sales. Exactly. So if we're talking about things that people don't like to talk about. There's your first clue, folks. If you're working with someone who gets paid a commission based on quotas you know research a little bit more so you can't get based on quotas because that's enticement and so what happens is you you get bonuses and it's just for and it's the putting the heads on the beds and so yeah i mean i don't i don't get a bonus i get a raise but i have to perform to get the raise so Honestly, at the end of the day, if I can put my head on a pillow and look in the mirror. I have, I look <laughs> in the mirror and I have kids calling me saying thank you, right. you know, I just graduated and I'm right. happy and right. you know. That's but that's the, your purpose in life. You've clearly found your purpose. Exactly. There's right. other people in this industry who it may not be their purpose right. or their values are different. It right. be their I'm looking to pay my mortgage <laughs> and you right. know feed my kid right you yeah. know and whatever it takes and, and drive like, a lamborghini mm. right, right. <laughs> you know like so i mean it's not that that condones it yeah. but i mean look at people's different values and their their compass 
you know, mm. if what's driving them. Like right, I'm right. of like minded with Chris. Like I, if I can put my head on the pillow and say, you know, I don't, I'm not sure Alan Horn's the right fit for you. I don't know enough. Right. Yeah. I don't, you know, I, I, I'd have to do a full you right. know, admissions assessment. But you will understand that portion of it right. when you go to work for a place because you'll understand the values of the company that you're going to right. work for. And yeah. if you don't, right. then you're like, I can't, you know, there's people who do it and they fake right. it. Right. But there's a lot of people saying, you know what, I'm not doing this. This doesn't jive with me. Right. I'm out. Right. Um, so do you have any success stories that you can share yes. with us? Well, I think um, there's so many. There's so many. I will say that... I think there's a common stereotype that people with thought disorders like schizophrenia or, you know, it, it is a tough illness, um, but people do really well. And our model is psychosocial. If, if you guys have heard that term before, it's, you know, you may have heard biopsychosocial, which is really just the intersection of, um, you know, it's like the social and psychiatric and the bio meaning like maybe the medication or the physical, you know, that's our model. So that is proven to find the best outcomes. If you take all of these things, yes, is medication important? Oftentimes it is. Um, sometimes it's not. But that plus the you know therapy certainly, um, community integration, vocational life, your purpose in life, like rediscovering your purpose. We believe people come to us and have lost their purpose because they've been labeled and shamed. Mm-hmm. You know, you're schizophrenic. Um, you're not a person with schizophrenia that happens to be something about you. Not right. you're a schizophrenic and that's who, that's you, who are. you are. So right. we don't look at it that way. So I think, you know, that's different. And our success stories are about people who you would stereotypically mm-hmm. think, oh, they can. you've heard it a million times. They can't work. They're not ready. Anybody can work. Anybody can volunteer. Anybody on, in some capacity, in some way can find That's purpose. part of life. It's yeah. dignity. And there's, that's there's the a, problem. There's, there's a bottle um, recycling place down here in Mansfield. And it, it only hires people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of like Down syndrome mm-hmm. people and other mental right. challenges. It's a big I guess part you of life. Say. And you it's go in part. and it's like you see, you know, it's a very robotic process but they're working and they're happy and it gives them purpose in life that's it and that's that's it. you know like at the end of the day it's your purpose it, in life it's your purpose in life and whatever that means and like we don't want ellen Horn to be people's purpose what we're doing is working with people in the community to find their purpose exactly like we don't set up this robust structure that with us that they rely on us and get very dependent on their structure with us it's we're going to plug ourselves into where they oh, are okay. so that they find their purpose out there right um, real quick before we go to break, yeah, age groups. What, what are some of the ages? From- 18 plus. 18. It's all over the map. Generally speaking, a lot of young adults. Not by design, but just, um, you know, obvi- I think with anti-stigma, people are seeking help sooner now. More male than female? Um, generally, yes. Okay. All right, we're going to take a break. Okay. Will you stick with us sure. for our, uh, our next segment? Uh, all right, we'll be right back on the map. talking to Chris Long. Chris, tell us about yourself. Some of the things that I do, I advocate for treatment. I advocate in courts to keep people out of jail. I'm making sure that they're getting what they need to be most successful. And then the other big component of it is the family side of it. And where can people find you? Call my cell phone, 508-212-7206. Or I'm on Zero Boundaries, Chris Perry Long on Facebook, Stakes Are High. You're ubiquitous. You're everywhere. I am everywhere. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to 
the map. We are still Andy Bernstein, Kristen Perry Long, and Kimberly Walsh, and Melissa Westerman, who's still, he'll still here with us in this segment. We are going to our mailbag, and we're going to answer um, a question that we have coming from Sandy in Foxborough. Chris, you said that, that right. You said that right. Thank you. Okay. I am from Randolph. 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 <laughs> Ram. All right. Someone suggested using marijuana. At, oh, Lordy. This is just a, <laughs> such a conversation <laughs> yep. as a way to treat my anxiety. Do you see this as an effective method? Wait, disclaimer, don't answer that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I am not a professional. I smell smoke. And I smell fire. Hair burning. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you right now, there's not enough study on it. So feel free to... Smoke away. Do what you well, got. Let me know how it works out for you. <laughs> right? Because I've heard like there's psychosis. check with your doctor. Check with right. your doctor. Check with oh, your yeah, psychologist, psychosis. your therapist. You know, do you have a history with, with addiction? Do Are you just swapping? There's so many. That's such a can- that's Penelope's. Such a, what is that? Um, Pandora's, Pandora's box. Pandora's box. Penelope. Penelope. I've Let's heard, switch it over. Let's I like Penelope. Penelope. You've opened up your own Penelope's cube. <gasps> yeah. Uh, not It'll be Pandora's Penelope's mailbag. Penelope's cube. Um, Today's uh, Penelope's cube uh, what you, is. <laughs> what do you see about, in your world, do you see marijuana being... Um, prevalent with people that you're it's always it's always been prevalent right it's just people are out with it now with with the laws our philosophy has not changed it's always been and always will be um that just because you're using doesn't mean that you do not deserve good treatment okay or just because you're you know everybody's different everybody's biology is different everybody's Mm -hmm. family history is different everybody's everything is different uh, we're not anti this or pro that. Right. It's what does what works for you, and what does anything in, impede your functioning, and and is anything a barrier right. to yeah, you living so your best many, life? There's so period. Much, right. Everybody's so different. Yeah, there's some research and data behind some, like a lot of things, but like Chris said, there's just we don't know enough yet. Yeah. I, well, I think also like what we're forgetting is that the marijuana one we were growing up is not the marijuana that 100%. these sure guys not bothers marijuana anymore. Yeah. Right. You know, so it's, and, right. it's just not enough. And, and it's ask, so unregulated. It's so unregulated. And it if really you ask is. someone in the it's program, not, is it a gateway drug? Well, that's what oh. I was going to say. So someone in the program will tell you, like if you're in strict AA, in a, excuse me, in a step program, they're going to vehemently uh, state that, yeah, it's a gateway drug and that, it, all drugs, anything that alters your mind takes away from your spiritual connection. Which can also be caffeine, though. It could also be exactly. nicotine. It, it could any, be exactly. anything. anything. I, was, I was so taken aback. I was watching the NFL Network the other day, and Michael Irvin, who uh, played football, he's one of the commentators, he had a drug problem. And years ago, like a lot of, like a lot of arrests and stuff. So he was saying that he was down at the uh, Pro Bowl. And mm. w- he said, oh, I was learning more about Tom Brady and what he might do. But, of course, you know, I had a cocktail in my hand. And I was like, wow. Huh. Like, I really got taken aback because it's like, you know, that's the discussion. If you're not using drugs, but you're using alcohol. We have content yeah. for another show, folks. I know. I know. <laughs> I just had a mom saying, it's so nice to be able to have a beer with my son now. And I'm like, what? 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 <laughs> You know, (laughs) there's some stuff we do know. If if somebody with schizophrenia asked me if they if smoking pot's a good idea, I'd probably say probably not. Right, right. You know, but you know that's just paranoia upon some other symptoms that may be present. But like or history of addiction, right? Like generally speaking, yes. But 
you know, yeah, as a blanket uh, statement, everybody's different. But exactly. we do know some things. Mm. Right. right, from a pain management <laughs> and then from pain management. It's a really big, like you said, it's a really big study. You know, pain management. Oh, yeah. Do you take it? I mean, I was using CBD cream that had THC in it. What? I, oh, yeah. When? After my shoulder. I loved it. It had, have another disclaimer. You had THC in it? Yeah. Did you forget We're to read advocating. the label? No. My cousin, I was out in Seattle. My cousin got it. Oh, oh right. I was out in Seattle. Oh, I bought yeah. it in the Seattle. Who Trans Am gave it to you? Right. <laughs> yeah, we get it. It worked. Understood. It really helped me, honestly. Remember that show when... Uh-huh, yeah. Now it's all coming to fruition. It's all uh, coming to fruition. I don't use it now. No. I don't have a compulsion to use it. No, I'm just busting Okay. Out. No, but seriously, like, it really helped me. But I don't, you know, I could use... Like the tiniest little bit. Statistically, people who take benzodiazepines and pain pills are not addicted to them. Like, like statistically, statistically. Pe- right. It's the there's more who, the, right, right that right. don't, but they, of course we're focusing on, you know, right. there should be because it's life and death. So this, want- so the thing is, none of this is clear cut. No, of course no. not. It's all a gray it's case area. by case. Right. It, that's why it should be a case by case right. basis. But uh, again, more content. More, shows. more content. All right. So, Chris, <laughs> where can people find us? That's our show for the week. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, The Map, um, and also um, you can actually find you on the pod- podcast hotspot. And we're on Spotify. And we're on Spotify and iTunes. And of course, Foxborough Cable Access. Wait, and of course, YouTube. on YouTube. Yep. YouTube. We're all yeah. over. We're all over. We're growing. We're growing. And we're- if you want to sponsor us, let us know. And <laughs> and and reach out. Um, reach out to you, Chris. Yep. Yep. You can reach out to me. Um, 508-212-7206. You can get to all the links from Brady's Landing um, website as well. And Just step on And me. your phone you. numbers are on the Facebook page? Yeah, uh, I think so. Okay. And how can know. people get you? Um, Ellenhorn.com. And if you want to hear Russ speak, if you want to read his book, uh, HarperCollins is doing a pre-sale uh, well, through amazon and a couple other sites but it's um available for pre-sale if you want to hear ross talk or hear any other or i stuff. want to hear you talk <laughs> no i'm done i'm good um but ellenhorn.com and you can click on events and and come here something either in new york city boston and we're now in raleigh all right so. well nice. thank you for good. coming on thank, thank you so much, much. Good thank, you. And thank you to Thanks, michael Mikey. michael weber from foxborough cable access and that's our show for the week and we will catch you next time on love that